Hello. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Hi-Fi Summit. We are in the very last talk for the day, day one. We are here with Jason from Canto Audio, and we are going to be talking about powered speakers. What's up? Mm. How are you guys doing? What's going on, Jason? Uh, I'm doing quite well. Um, I'm just really happy to be here. I'm happy to be back at the at the office. We're yeah, actually in the sound room at Canto, a room nice. I haven't seen in like two months. So that's it's, awesome. It's very nice. Very I sweet, little, warm. sweet setup there, man. We were doing a test the other day. I'm like, how come your audio is better than mine? What do you got? He's got like sound panels up. He's all. Oh, yeah, dude. He's ready to go. Clapping clapping here and there's no echo. It's beautiful. Nice. That's awesome. Love it. I got my my living room back here. You know, my Mm -hmm. family's walking by and all this stuff. Sorry to to flex on y'all like that. Yeah, you are flexing on us. So for for, for that, I'm just going to have to say Audio Architects, he's been asking for a long time about those uh, tucks. He keeps bugging me. He wants mm-hmm. to check out those tucks. So maybe give him a shot one of these <laughs> days, huh? Anyway, there you go. Audio Architects, I, I gave you a shout out. Thank you for letting me know. We'll hopefully <laughs> arrange something after this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these guys are ready for it. Looks like they're pretty excited. Yeah, that's Sweet. right. That's right. Look at this, Kanga. Oh, yeah. Canto. Canto. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. man. They're going to have to give everyone tucks. My goodness. What do we got ourselves <laughs> into coming on here? Hang them out, man. It's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the base on those things that are ridiculous. I know it. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're pretty mm-hmm. rad. I had a pair inside my living room, and uh, just due to where they're situated, I got so much room gain that I got the base nice. at negative three, and it's still a little bit too much sometimes. That's awesome. So, yeah. I'm digging those white ones behind you, man. Those are nice. That's that's Dang. what we're talking about, dude. Yeah. Those are the tucks. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember having the subwoofer in the room when i was demoing them and they're like people are like subwoofers on i was like no nope. they're like no <laughs> it's just for Fantastic. aesthetics it's just it's, it's just to trick you there buddy that's all right. yeah it's what, like were you yeah were you around when when chana uh was djing on those no that was it our demo that, that was at the show was at the show right yeah, 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 that was our demo. Was he brought player, his old yeah. DJ thing, and he was like straight up yep. doing a whole set. On I did those. see the, I did see a stream afterwards. That was pretty sweet. The speakers were just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good promo. Mm-hmm. The promo that you can't even buy. Yeah, yeah. no, no doubt. It's like when Bose used to, you know, put the big speakers hey, there. Hey, and hey you said away. the B word. Yeah, you said the B right, word. Man. Oh, I'm gonna say the B word in this actual in this seminar. So, just oh <laughs> yeah, get ready, guys. It's about to get lit. All right, let's, dude. Nice. let's go. It's all you. Take it away. Cool. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, I'm Jason Zavarella. I'm the product manager at Canto. So some of my responsibilities here are just um, defining new products, identifying what uh, features or specs that we need uh, in our products, just kind of p- putting out a competitive product. Uh, so I work with customer service to make sure uh, customer support uh, feedback is put into our designs. I work with um, sales to get some industry input marketing to make sure the the messaging and the story is clear and uh, and of course engineering to just kind of uh, work on the prototyping uh, for the product uh, just generally I ensure that the vision of the product um, just kind of is maintained uh, throughout the process while we go from conception to delivery awesome um, yeah so uh, compared to the rest of the manufacturers uh, at the show Canto's obviously on a little bit of the the lower uh, price end of the market. Our most expensive speaker is $800. Uh, our least expensive one is $220. Uh, 
Um, so we kind of see our products as like a stepping stone for people to get into the world of, of audio and it shapes how we create our products. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of a preamble about us. Uh, but today I am talking about powered speakers. Uh, I'm using, I am using the term powered speakers. It's a very general term. Uh, it describes our speakers and a lot of other speakers. Uh, I'm going to avoid using the term active, uh, active is, uh, you know, it really implies like, you know, each amplifier section is driving specific components uh, in the speaker. Um, so I'm going to avoid using that. And I'm not going to really talk about the advantages or, or disadvantages of either one. Um, but yeah, to kind of get into it, you know, you're seeing a lot of companies that used to make just passive speakers start to make powered speakers. Um, you got uh, Totem, a really cool Canadian company, just like Canto. Um, they came out with the Kin Play speakers about a year and a half ago. I just want to tell a quick story about uh, Totem. Actually, I'm wearing an A and B sound shirt right now. That was a uh, defunct. It's a. It used to be like a Best Buy in Western Canada, and Totem was like their flagship brand that they used to carry at A and B Sound. So Totem for me has always been this like drool-worthy, beautiful, like you know, a, an achievement uh, to get some of their speakers. So it's really cool that we're actually playing in the same space as them now. So uh, that's just a little aside. Um, you saw, you see ELAC, they made the, the Navis ARB 51 speakers clips. You saw earlier today, the fives, um, yep. and obviously their heritage line and their R series line, like they're killing it out there. Uh, Klipsch in general is killing it. Like, um, they really like, you know, took their heritage and, and, and really made it, uh, they've reinvigorated their brand recently, um, and made their, their brand really exciting. Um, Kef, they have their LS50Ws they made a few years back. I think that speaker itself changed a lot of people's opinions about what power speakers could do. Um, and obviously their LSX uh, is really nice. Uh, we're seeing boutique companies like Vanatu down in Washington. They're only making power speakers. Uh, so it's pretty clear the segment is growing. Uh, people are responding to it. And I'm going to talk about why we've chosen that route, that route uh, why other manufacturers have done it. Uh, why it's becoming relatively common now. Um, so yeah, I'm going to talk about kind of the changes in technology first that have allowed uh, powered speakers to proliferate. Um, I don't see the, hold on, I'm going to the live, the live comments. Here we go. I want to just quickly check out some comments before I get into the, to the thick of it here. Where the woofers drivers enhance with long throat sheep the base levels. We use aluminum. Are you talking about Tuck? If you're talking about Tuck over there, Kanga Empire, Tuck has aluminum drivers. Um, I I don't know about if they are long throw or not. Um, hey, a lot of love for Canada out there. Totem, Canada, stuff. Mm -hmm. I like that you're not afraid to mention other brands, like pretending like no other brands exist. <laughs> Word, yeah, I, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Respect you for, for doing that. <laughs> Canto is the only company. Uh, no, there's. I mean, we're we're influence, right? The, the, and the industry is pretty small, right? Like, you know, you go to a trade show and you meet all the people we're talking about, and you get to chat to the people. It's um, so yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna show some love and respect to the the people who make cool stuff. Very yeah. cool. Um, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about um, the changes in technology. The first thing I'm going to talk about is DSP, digital signal processing. Um, so, you know, it used to be like back in the day in the 50s and the 60s, I guess, I guess now too, but used to be that, you know, you needed resistors, capacitors, inductors to shape the sound of your speaker. Um, if you wanted to boost or cut somewhere, uh, you know, it could, it could cost quite a bit um, and it could make your design really complex. 
tailoring the sound on your speaker was not something you uh, wanted to do if you didn't have to do it. Um, and you could even, you know, introduce group delay, uh, you know, if, you know, a part of the, the audio frequency that's a little bit delayed compared to another part, it could make your speaker sound smeary. Um, so no, you, you could try to do all this stuff to make your speaker sound better, but if you don't know what you're doing, it could make it sound worse and drive up the price. Um, computers obviously changed kind of everything. Um, you know, you could take a digital signal and you can manipulate it, do whatever you wanted with it. Uh, and then in the eighties, we got, you know, actual like DSP boxes, scaled down electronics. Um, but those DSP boxes there, they were pricey. They were kind of only reserved for like the most expensive systems. But nowadays, um, you know, thanks to Moore's law, like the law that states that we get better and better electronics as we, you know, as time goes on and, and the price comes down, you know, we're at a point where you can buy DSP chips for like $10, $15 uh, that can tweak like pretty much any parameter you want. If you want to boost here or cut here or adjust the slope or the cue, um, you could delay certain frequencies to avoid um, to avoid uh, what I was talking about previously, the group delay. You can adjust the phase of certain frequencies. You have full control. So, um, you know, the speaker manufacturer gets to determine how the speaker sounds now the drivers and the components, the crossover, it's not at your full mercy like it was back in the day. Um, and you can do really cool things like you can add loudness contours or um, equal loudness, like loudness curves into your speakers. And if you're not familiar with the concept, um, the human ear, you know, it doesn't hear all frequencies at the exact same level. If you have a really flat speaker, uh, really good frequency response and you play it quietly, it's not really going to sound flat to your ear. It's going to sound like there's not that much bass or treble. Uh, in order to make it be perceived by your ear as nice and flat, you actually have to boost up the bass and the treble a little bit. Um, so you can do that in the DSP. You can have it so that as you adjust the volume, it flattens out uh, and it sounds, it, it's perceived by your ears as flatter. And uh, here's, here's the B word that I was going to talk about. So if you want a really cool example of this, <laughs> listen listen to the Bose SoundLink Mini Bluetooth speaker. That thing has some wild DSPing. When it's really quiet, the bass is boosted and the treble is hella boosted. And it sounds so full and rich, even at quiet volumes. And as you turn it up, it kind of evens out so that, you know, it sounds, it's perceived by your ears as flat. And also it doesn't clip the amp. So that's a really cool speaker. I'm not going to show any hate on Bose. They do some pretty wild stuff with their speakers. So um, some see this as impure when you're DSPing things, you know, they, they see it as something that shouldn't be done. And like, I, I get that because uh, in the past, um, you know, it was like an art, you know, if you could, if you could take two drivers and a crossover with like six components and put it into a speaker cabinet and make it sound nice. Like you were an artist, you were a master. Um, so the way that I see it though, is that DSPs are, are awesome. They're, they're good for everyone. I think the consumer benefits, the speaker manufacturers obviously benefit. Um, you know, customers now have access to speakers like Tuck, which I'm gonna talk about. Um, you know, they can hit 50 Hertz in a room. Um, they have a high, fast, a high pass filter built in. Um, it would have taken us without DSP a lot more time and energy to tame out the, the resonance you get in an aluminum driver. And because we're using an AMC tweeter, you know, there's a lot of different level matching and, and DSP has made making this product so much more doable. So 
in my opinion, it is a tool. It's a tool that lets designers achieve what they want and they can present the world with a product that sounds great at a really good price. Um, so the way that I see it, you know, if a DSP, if, if, if a speaker designer is an artist, the DSP is just another color on their palette that they can use. Um, so I think that's kind of one of the bigger reasons why uh, speakers, powered speakers have, have become more common is DSPing. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about uh, Class D amplifiers and the advancements um, that have, have been another contributor, but I'm just going to quickly check the, uh, the chat over here. All right. Seems like Jason couldn't rattle off more knowledge about sound off the cuff than anyone I ever know. Thank you. I appreciate it. I was the valedictorian in high school. That was my peak. It's all downhill from here, except for today. I actually get to flex my public speaking skills today. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Flex it. <laughs> Active speakers are greater than passive speakers for me. At Canto, we have to agree. Other people may not agree. Um, but, you know, hopefully after my, my talk here, some people that are diehard passive fans will maybe see a different perspective. I hope. Uh, let's see if there's anything else here. The sound blink mini sounds good. It does. It, it does. really does. I am. I'm not going to, I am not going to stand here and say that Bose makes some inferior Bluetooth. Oh. speakers. They are awesome. Anyways. My wife says she misses her U4s and I said it right. Uh, yeah. You did say U4. Yeah, it's not why it's not why U4. It is U4. So thank you. I appreciate it. They got caught in, the, in that fire. But anyway, no doubt. It's all oh, good. Okay, yeah. I'm go back to I'm gonna go back to my seminar here, talking about okay. some advancements in Class D amplifiers. I am not that qualified to talk about amps. I'm not an engineer, so bear with me. Um, you know, for people who aren't super familiar, you know, an amplifier, the way that it works, it's it's really it's it's taking an incoming audio signal that's fluctuating up and down in voltage. And it's opening up a switch or a valve or a lever, you want whatever you want to call it. And it's it's got beefy capacitors, and it's letting that big power. Uh, it's diverting that power to the loudspeaker basically at the same time that the input voltage is is fluctuating up and down. That's just super quickly, um, you know how how amplifiers work. Um, you know we we've gone through so many different uh, types of amplifiers. We went from vacuum tubes to to solid state, and now we're you know we're now digital. Uh, and there's always been this contrasting duality. And this is this is something I want y'all to remember during this seminar. Sound quality, efficiency. Those are the two dueling factors between an amp design and, and what's driven a lot of the advancements in amplifier technology. So let's talk about class A amplifiers. Super old school amp design. It's constantly sending power to the drivers. It's like a garden hose that's on. It's always sending power and there's a switch or a diverter that takes that power and it sends it to the loudspeaker when it's needed. But when it's not needed, that power is just being wasted. It's being turned into heat. So class A, very inefficient. Um, class AB, change that. Class AB, it's basically, uh, it's got like a positive side and a negative side to you know push the speaker out and pull the speaker back in. So you're kind of splitting the load between these two power uh, outputs. Um, you know, neither side is doing work at the exact same time. So it's more efficient than class AB or class A. Class A is always pushing out power. Class AB is kind of doing that half and half, splitting it between the load. So it makes it more efficient. The benefit of these two amps, class A, class AB, they're always on, they're always doing something. 
So the voltage fluctuation from the incoming signal, it's perfectly duplicated. Um, there's no point in which the amplifier is uh, is not doing work. It's not, you know, there's no microsecond delay, no, no distortion. It's faithfully reproducing the audio signal that's coming into it. Um, so it sounds very good. Class A and class AB, a lot of people see those as the, you know, audiophile amps. They sound great, but unfortunately, they're not efficient. So that's where class D comes in. Class D operates so much more differently than, than the analog amps. Class D amps use pulse width modulation. Um, an example that I see on the internet a lot to describe pulse width modulation is you're in a room, you got a light, you got a light switch. If you want your room to be 100% bright, all you have to do is turn that light switch on 100% of the time. If you want it dark, you just leave it off 100% of the time. But what if you want your room to be at 50% brightness? There is a way you can do it with pulse width modulation. You can turn on your amp, or sorry, I guess we're talking about lights right now. You can turn on your light 50% of the time and 50% off. And if you do that fast enough, if you keep it on 50% of the time and off 50% of the time, to your eyes, it's going to be perceived like that room is 50% brightness. If you want it 25% bright, you leave it on 25% of the time and 75% off. So you're switching, you're switching back and forth really quick to you know, get your room at a certain uh, level. And that's what class D amps do to audio. Switching on and off really, really fast to push the driver further out or push it back. Um, so we gotta remember that duality that I was, I was talking about. Um, efficiency and uh, and sound quality. So class D amps, there's moments when the amp is off, it's not sending any power. So it's really efficient. It's really efficient, but um, because you're not duplicating the waveform perfectly, it's never going to, it's never gonna be perfectly accurate. Um, you know, technically you can't reproduce that original signal like you can with class A and class AB. And the high end suffers the most. Uh, you know, if you have a hundred Hertz tone, you know, it's, it's moving a hundred times per second and you're sampling that or you're switching 100,000 times per second, that 100 Hertz tone, each waveform can be duplicated or sampled. Sorry. It can be sampled a thousand times per second. And you can achieve a really accurate waveform with a thousand samples per waveform, but the high end suffers. If you have a 20, thousand hertz tone. So that's kind of like the limit of human hearing, 20,000 hertz. If you're only sampling that 100,000 times a second, you're only going to sample each waveform five times. So you could end up with something quite a bit less accurate. Also, if you're switching on and off 100,000 times a second, you're you're introducing oscillation into the network. You're making you're introducing a tone that you don't need in there. You need to filter that out. And while humans can't hear 100,000 hertz, if it's switching on and off like that, you, you can't hear it, but it's gonna introduce harmonics into your audio. It's gonna introduce distortion. If you're a musician, you know that if you pluck a guitar or you, you hit a piano, you're gonna hear a fundamental tone, but you're also gonna hear harmonics. You're gonna hear the uh, string vibrating at you know half the frequency, a quarter, double, third, you got to get rid of those harmonics. And if it's a piano or some sort of wood instruments, you're hearing the vibration of the actual instrument itself. Mm -hmm. Is what I notice. Right. Is what I'm. I've yeah. been playing the piano for thirty years, so that's a. That's that's. <laughs> I'm that's, glad that's, I touched close to your heart. 
<laughs> well, you were talking about pulse width modulation too, and I was actually um on the hunt for some new synthesizers last night, and you know I'm hearing different things, and uh, yeah, I got, I got a few oh, yeah. mugs next to me too. So yeah, so, I'm with yeah. you, buddy. I'm with no, you. I'm pulse loving with, it. Pulse width modulation is really dope in synthesizers. It's really dope for class D amps, but you got to do something to get rid of that. You got to do something to get rid of that switching, that right? pulse width modulation sound. You got to do some with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't want to send that frequency to the speakers either because you're no. just sending power. You're sending stuff to the speakers that it can't produce. So even if you can't hear it, it's just wasting power. Okay. Where am I going with all this? I've been chatting about class D for a long time. So class D amplifiers, they've always been efficient, but they haven't always sounded good. Um, the primary concept or the basis of a class D amp, it has not changed since like the late fifties when it was developed. Um, but the technology in switching frequency and filter design to get rid of that noise, it has improved. So we're talking about, we're going to talk about that. So some class D amplifiers, they're not switching on and off thousand times per second. Now they're switching on and off in the million times of per second in the megahertz. Um, Texas Instruments, automotive, Class D amps, they switch at 2.1 megahertz, 2.1 million times a second. And at that high frequency, well, you can duplicate a waveform really accurately. And it's such a high switching frequency that you don't even need a normal low pass filter to filter out all that, you know, oscillating noise. You can use like a ferrite bead, like the same little core that you see around like a, you know, a USB cable. Um, so you get this really high sampling rate with accurate waveforms and your filter design is really inexpensive and easy to, to design. So there isn't this clear divide between, you know, audio filed great amps anymore. Nearly all types of amps are going to sound good as long as they're engineered correctly. But what you can't get away from, unfortunately, is that class A and class AB are inefficient. So the, the efficiency of a class D amplifier has given speaker manufacturers the freedom to kind of do whatever they want without needing to design around a thermally dissipating chassis or add heat sinks. Um, it allows designers to use fabrics as exterior surfaces, like something that traps heat really efficiently. Um, you don't need bulky capacitors or, uh, you know, to store a bunch of energy because most of the energy in a class D amp is sent to the speaker. The power supply can be smaller and therefore you can make really small compact electronics. The, you know, battery driven Bluetooth powered speaker is ubiquitous. You know, everyone pretty much has one. It's, you know, a standard item at this point and they don't have to sound bad just because they got class D amps anymore. So in my opinion, these two technologies, DSP and the advancements in class D amps, those are really responsible in my opinion for the tech that has proliferated powered speakers. Um, so I'm going to talk about the changes in customer habits, but I'm going to quickly check the uh, chat here. All right. Using Hello. instruments as a comparison. Sorry. Oh, if you guys want to talk really quickly, I'll, I'm just going to read the, the comments here. Sure. I, I remember hearing the talks at CES and it was uh, they had set up uh, an AB switch. So it was the U6s and the Tux. And man, just switching back and forth, the difference was huge. Like it was, yeah, it's a great demo. It's a great demo. Yeah, for sure. uh, you know, it is a significantly more expensive speaker, but you get a significantly better audio Experience. sound. Like it's 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 yeah. crazy. It's um, Tuck is really it's such a good value. We're gonna talk more about Tuck, but um, 
but yeah, I. Um, <laughs> Everybody's saying how you're an excellent teacher. Everybody likes your yeah, teaching style. Ex you're explaining this like fantastically. Jace, Joshua has a question. Outside of price, why should one pick Canto over um, Atom or Focal powered speakers? Um, Focal and, and Atom don't make they don't make multimedia speakers. They make dedicated studio monitors. monitors yeah. They make studio monitors. And I see this so often when I pop into Reddit and I see people recommending speakers to people. All day and night, people are recommending monitors as as speakers. And you need an audio interface to get the best performance because they don't have volume controls in the front. You're, you're limited yep. to your operating system. Um, a lot and of them mostly, yeah. um, XLR or quarter inch connections. Exactly. How are you going to, you know, get it into your PC? You got to have a, a cable that goes from a 3.5 millimeter to two XLRs. Like you're going to lose sound quality there. Um, you know, you're, you're losing the advantage of having a balanced connection. Um, so I mean, there's a time and a place if you're making music, if you need, you know, mission critical flat audio, you're going to buy some powered, you're going to buy some monitors. But if you're wanting speakers that have, you know, a headphone output, if you want a USB DAC, if you want a phono preamp, if you want a volume knob that you can adjust on the front of the speaker, like powered speakers make so much more sense in that. And scenario, a remote, right? I was about yeah. to say that remote too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there's just, there's a place and there's a time and a place for it. Um, and I think a lot of people have to kind of step back and, you know, when people are asking recommendations for speakers, you got to step back and actually understand, like, do these people want, you know, amazing pure audio quality or do they want a usable setup? And I think with our speakers, they are more usable. Um, crossover speaker versus DS versus DSP biamp. Um, I don't fully understand the question, but uh, I mean, he, he asked it earlier, um, why did you choose here internal crossover for With the non amp doing the non amp speaker versus biamping is digital signal shaping um i think for us it was really just like a it was a design choice for um i think it was really just for like the price of components um you know when you're making a speaker there's so many things you have to balance out and despite the fact that I've been flossing about DSP is, you know, solving every issue. The fact is that if you have a DSP that does biamping, um, it costs more. You need two amps now. Um, getting them to work well together, sometimes if you're more familiar with a passive setup, um, you know, and you've done it and it sounds good, then you just kind of roll with it. So um, it wasn't a design goal of, of, of Tuck to go biamp. It was, you know, making a speaker that sounded good and, we developed a prototype using stuff that we had done before and we really liked it. So we didn't see the need to go that, that route. All right. Um, I think I'm going to continue my seminar. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So we talked about the tech. Let's talk about customers. So I'm not going to get into like the full blown socioeconomic reasons here, but people have less space. They got less time and they got less money. So let's talk about it. Um, powered speakers, they take up less room, plain and simple. Um, your power supply, your DAC, your preamp, all the wiring to connect everything together, it's in one box. Um, take even the most simple setup, uh, a set of passive speakers and a home theater receiver. Powered speakers are even more compact than that setup. If you live in a studio apartment or a one bedroom where space is at a premium, um, just having an AV receiver 
the act of having an AV receiver is sometimes not even manageable, let alone having, you know, multiple pieces of equipment. Um, you know, the days of having a dedicated uh, home theater or listening room are becoming a little bit more rare. So, um, you know, an equipment rack in your condo or a piece of furniture in order to hold a piece of AV gear, that's a sacrifice to additional seating, a pantry, a wardrobe. Um, and, you know, for some, it is a realistic trade-off that they, they don't want to make. Um, so people have less time. Power speakers take less time to set up, to troubleshoot, and to research. If a person's ultimate goal is to listen to music or sit and get better sound from their TV, um, powered speakers are a relatively easy way to achieve that goal. Um, for some people, you know, achieving that goal, it's not a very fun endeavor. For people that are listening on the, you know, chat right now, you know, and me, it is a fun endeavor. It's really fun comparing reviews, getting advice on forums. But for you know other people, if you have other commitments and you're not an audio enthusiast, a power speaker is just one thing to research. It's one thing to set up, and you know not much can go wrong in that scenario. Like if you hear a ground loop in your multi-component hi-fi system, that can take a long time to chase down the problem. If you hear a ground loop in your set of powered speakers, you can probably figure it out right away, like really quickly. And if you can't figure it out, you got one point of contact, the manufacturer to figure out what's going on rather than like three. Um, and then less money. So this is a bit nuanced, uh, but generally if a customer's budget is limited, powered speakers are gonna cost less than the equivalent passive setup, plus the components required to get the equivalent feature set. So I'm fully aware you can buy passive speakers and an amplifier for the same price or lower sometimes than a set of powered speakers. Um, but you may not get a sub out, a phono preamp, tone controls, you know, an EQ, a remote, etc. Um, so just to get that equivalent feature set, um, usually powered speakers are the best way in terms of price to go. And some of the reduction in price kind of goes back to the tech I talked about. You know, a speaker designer can choose the exact amount of wattage needed for the goals of the project. You know, a customer is never over buying or over designing their system with a set of powered speakers. Um, when you're buying components to set up a system, it's always safe to choose an app that has more power than you, you know, actually need, just so you can avoid clipping or in the future, um, you end up buying some speakers that are less efficient. So <clears throat> the real benefit of going with different, com with, you know, separates with going with a, a, a setup with multiple components is that you can upgrade your system incrementally, but you're not usually saving money. You're not, you're definitely not saving space and you can never match those components perfectly because the speakers have not been designed alongside the amplifier. So those, those are the three reasons. Those are the biggest factors, I think, uh, in terms of customer habits that have shaped why powered speakers are so popular. But there's other factors like aesthetics. And I'm not talking about matching the color of your house or, you know, making your speakers match your cottage industrial chic um, look in your place. You know, I'm, I'm more talking about like reducing clutter, reducing cabling, and making sure that everyone in the household is is happy with how it looks um so i already touched on this but you know you got less space to work with nowadays in apartments you know you can't have a dedicated sound room to you know hide your audio equipment um and if you're not an audio enthusiast chances are you don't look you don't like the look of audio components either 
And if you are an audio enthusiast, you probably, you don't like cabling. Um, you don't like the look of cabling, you want to hide it. That's everyone that's probably in the in the same boat for that one. Um, but, you know, with a powered speaker, there's there's no interconnects. Like, there's very few things you need to, to hide. Um, so this is also a little detail, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, fully, fully wireless powered speakers. Canto doesn't make any, but fully wireless powered speakers. You, you know, plug each speaker into an outlet and they talk to each other wirelessly. Um, those are very flexible. Um, you know, some audio enthusiasts are like, why do you want to plug two things into the wall when you could just, you know, have one thing, the amplifier plugged in? Well, the electronics, the the electrical grid in your house, it's, it's already in your wall. You don't have to make cable runs. You don't have to string any wire, you know, and, and hide it. Um, it's already in your wall. It's already such a clean setup if you go with like a fully wireless setup. And on that note too, let's talk about multi-room. Powered speakers are pretty much the only way to pull off multi-room audio unless, you know, you've built a home that, you know, actually has wired up uh, speaker components. Um, you know, you can have like a Wi-Fi connected amp and passive speakers in your home in a few different areas, but, you know, who's who's really doing that, right? <laughs> Powered speakers for, yeah. for multi-room, just they make sense, right? Um, another factor we're in the midst of a shift in how we work. You know, we're post-industrial revolution, uh, physical labors, you know, getting replaced with automation and robots. Um, you're, the human brain, information and creativity, they are the resource of the future. So there's this, you know, a growing trend of uh, creative jobs. Um, and, you know, how many jobs nowadays exist without a computer? Um, so, and people are working from home, hyper relevant right now, uh, you know, more people are working at a desktop and those people, not only do they want to hear music, but some of those jobs, they require accurate audio to do their job. Um, a bit of a tangent here before I get to my point uh, about, about creative jobs and, and why they've kind of, you know, made powered speakers so common. Um, when I was growing up, if you needed computer speakers, you bought computer speakers <laughs> from a manufacturer that right. makes computer speakers, right? right? Like Creative, uh, Cambridge Soundworks, Logitech, Logitech. yeah, yeah. Uh, the Dell, the, the speakers that come with your Dell. Um, and those speakers, for the most part, you know, they were not accurate enough to do video or audio editing work. If you got, sure. you know, any sort of creative job where you need to listen to audio or mess with video, those were not good enough for that sort of They're, thing. They were almost like... Um a pair of headphones you would plug into a computer that were just big and loud and well, somewhat loud <laughs> and the set on your desk, you know, except for the LTEC lensing 621s or 641s. I don't know those if you guys remember were. those, but those were beauties. Yeah, those, those, those that, beauties. that was a, the LTEC lansing had, had qu quite a few uh, products that were great. So yeah, they really did. I, I definitely drooled over that. I had some really kick-ass monsoon speakers, the Planar Media 14s when I grew up. I fabricated speaker stands in high school with them. Like I, I, I was in a uh, shop class and I like made little speaker stands for them to get them to the right height. Uh, and uh, their one flaw is that their connector um, that connected the whole system together was so junky and crappy that it broke one day. And it was like an S video style connector Done. with all these little tiny pins. Oh man. Toast, man. I couldn't repair them. I, I busted out the soldering iron multimeter and I just could not get that thing to work again. I was so, <laughs> so disappointed. 
man, sorry for that huge tangent. I'm no, going to go back to this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. All right. So we're now at the point where you're seeing multimedia speakers that can like, they can do it all. They're good for casual listening. Um, you can do minor monitoring on them, audio monitoring, and they're from brands that aren't just making computer speakers. So the growth in the creative digital sector um, has really allowed this full gamut of audio products to grow. And what better place for a powered speaker than a, a desktop where your real estate is, you know, at such a premium. And then I'm going to go into like the biggest factor for me, um, aside from the three main points I was talking about. Um, audio architects. So you guys are going to see a Canto review very soon. <laughs> Thank you. We love reviews. Appreciate it. Um, here's the biggest factor. The accessibility of music. Um, everyone is a music listener. You can access the music you love anywhere you want. Um, you don't need to uh, invest in a physical collection. You don't need physical media. The barrier has come down. Um, you know, typically if you had the ability to buy, you know, a new record once a week, you know, you had the, you had some money set aside for a nice hi-fi system. Um, if you don't have the ability to buy a new vinyl every week, well, you probably have the ability to put $10 down a month for Spotify. And if you don't even have that, there's free music on YouTube. Um, those same people that are listening to music for free on YouTube, they want speakers. They want they appreciate good music. They're music lovers. They know what music, you know, how it makes them feel. They want good quality audio. And powered speakers are just such a easy starting point for those people. They get what they want with very simple components and a very low cost of entry. Um, so yeah, that was kind of just the, the changes in, in customer habits. Uh, I'm going to eventually shift here to talking about talk uh, and talking about um, some of the features in, in that. Is the AMT tweeter similar to, say, a ARRL ribbon? Um, no. AMT tweeters are like accordions, and they're, they're pushing sound out. <laughs> a ribbon is literally like a thin piece of sheet plastic going that's moving back and forth like that. They look the same, but they're very different. Um, so I'm, you know, I man, I think when uh, we were, when we were developing Tuck, and you know. I kept on using the word ribbon because I wasn't educated and like my engineer was like, AMT. Stop it. Um, yeah. Stop it's, it. It's very different. Jason, you're so good at this. Thank you. Should I start streaming? Should I go on Twitch? Should I play video games? Should I do? What do you, what do you want well, me to do with this talent? Don't here? start doing audio reviews. You're going to put me out. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. All don't right, do man. it. Don't do it. I just want to point out that the lava lamps really actually chuchin now. I wanted it to be like that for the whole session, but it took like 20 minutes in to get to that point. But it's looking real nice now. Yeah, it is. It looks good. Uh, I'm going to talk about Tuck now because I would be a horrible product manager at Canto if I didn't talk about our products. Let's let's do it. Let's get a close-up of that thing, too. That's a handsome speaker. Don't even need a close-up, bro. I got it. I got oh, it right bro. Oh, oh, bam. I've never seen right this from one. From the back. Oh, check that out. Look that's, out. A G, that's a G6 prototype. I don't know if that's backwards, but it's from 2008. Like a G6. Doom, 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 doom. What happened? Like a G6. to those homies, man? <laughs> what happened to Dev? No, is it Dev? I forgot the singer on that, the, the woman singer. Where's she at? Oh, I, I don't even know. I listen <laughs> to a lot of pop music, and I haven't seen her pop up in a long time. Okay, Tuck. 
okay, so uh, if you have all this great technology at your disposal, um, class D and DSPing, if you understand the needs of the customers and you got a history of already making some really great powered speakers, what do you do? We, Canto, we made Tuck. Um, we designed it for four main use types, uh, turntable, desktop, living room, and smart home. So I'm going to talk about the features and the programming uh, and other things we've included um, to make these speakers excel at those four four main things. Oh, there's the sexy tux blasting their bass. Oh, I love it. Chana was DJing at the show, I believe, with this video here. Very cool. All right, cool. Talking about Tuck. Turntables. Yeah. So Tuck has a dedicated phono preamp built into the speaker. It is literally dedicated. Um, you don't have to share the phono preamp input with any other devices. You don't have to switch between it. Um, Tuck also has a headphone out right there. Um, so just those two things. We've eliminated two pieces of gear needed in your system. You don't need an external phono preamp. You don't need a headphone uh, amp or a headphone output. It's already built into here. So that's how we kind of designed it you know, to make sense in a situation where you have a turntable. For desktop, uh, Tuck has a USB. You know what? I'm not going to keep turning this thing around. I'm just going to talk about it. <laughs> Tuck yeah, has I'll, a I'll, USB. I'll put a picture up if I find, I can find one online. Sure. Sounds good. Uh, my arms are just, you know, it's just like, oh, got to turn it. It's hurting my arms. That's a lie. I'm fine. I got you. Anyways, got you. For, de <laughs> for, de for desktop <laughs> use, Tuck has a USB input to bypass the usually pretty not good sound quality from uh, onboard PCs. Um, when you plug Tuck into a computer, it's got a really slick trick. It's a tethered volume. So if you adjust the volume on the Tuck, the volume control on Tuck, it's going to adjust your operating system's uh, volume. When you adjust the operating system volume, it adjusts Tuck. It's tethered. There's not two different volume inputs. Um, it's just one volume across everything. It's really slick. For desktop use, you can defeat the automatic standby on the speaker. So usually after 15 minutes, the speakers go to sleep. You can disable that so that they more emulate a traditional computer speaker that's on all the time. So you don't miss notifications or have to wait for them to boot up. Um, you have a sub mute on the remote. Um, so if you got a sub connected, if you're listening, if you're using your, uh, your speaker at night, you can mute your subwoofer so you don't wake anyone up. It's got that headphone uh, output that I was talking about previously. And you've got a LED brightness control. So if you don't want a blue LED staring at your face at night, you can control the brightness or turn it off completely. So those are a few of the things that we've included with Tuck to make it work on desktop. And it also has a really low noise floor. That was one of the goals right from the outset is that you needs to be really quiet, no white noise or hissing when you're a meter away from it. Um, living room use. So Tuck has a uh, has a, a defeatable or um, a selectable crossover network um, at 80 hertz. So if you got a subwoofer connected to it and you hold down a button on the remote, the sub mute button, hold it down for five seconds, it'll enable the, uh, the active crossover. Anything over 80 hertz goes to the speakers Anything below 80 hertz goes to the sub. Um, so that's usually found in home theater receivers or you know external gear. Um, you don't usually see it in baked into a product, but we have it in here. 
Um, it also has, you know, Bluetooth, uh, or sorry, it has an optical input, so you can connect a TV to it. Doesn't have HDMI like the fives. Very cool feature. Oh, no but, HDMI arc. But but now I got to take a shot. Has a great. It still has a really good uh, optical. Uh, it's not really a DAC since it's a full digital setup, but it has an optical receiver, so you can connect it to your TV. And then you still got RCA, phono, Bluetooth, USB for anything that's not connected to your TV. Um, for smart home, we made it really easy for Tuck to be like the center of your smart home. Uh, it has a USB charging port, so you can charge or power a Google Home Mini, or you can charge your uh, your Echo input. Um, anything that's a smart home device, you can plug it into the speakers, and then that way you just eliminate some cabling right there. Uh, and then it has a really trick feature with Bluetooth. Usually when powered speakers go to sleep, it uh, it, it completely deactivates or it um, it severs the Bluetooth connection. With Tuck, we made sure that the Bluetooth connection stays active even if the speakers go to sleep. And that way, you can just stream music to it and it'll wake up automatically just like if it was wired up. Uh, and you can also disable uh, the automatic power down if you want them to be on all the time and, and ready to, to play music without any delay whatsoever. So with Tuck, we really thought out the product uh, and how people are going to use it. And... Here's really the point. I'm very confident that you could not duplicate the same kind of user experience that you get with Tuck if you piece together a system yourself. Um, Tuck is a very cohesive product and it couldn't really have existed even like five years ago. Um, there's a lot of technology, market research and um, customer feedback that went into it and it's really culminated into something um, that's greater than the sum of its parts. And we're, you know, obviously really proud of it. And I know I'm kind of over time, but one more thing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug our latest speaker, you, because, like I said, I'd be horrible product manager if I didn't mention our product. <laughs> um, U is a stripped down U4, so everyone knows and loves our U4. It's a really small, well, I guess not super small. It's a mid-sized bookshelf speaker, nice neutral frequency response, has a lot of cool features. U is a stripped down version of U4. Uh, U has a RCA and Bluetooth input, and it comes in black. That's it. It's really stripped down. U4 has a phono preamp that has optical inputs, and it comes in a bunch of finishes and colors. But if you don't need all that, if you just need a really stripped down basic speaker that sounds great, U is available, and it's $249 versus $329 for U4. So $80 price difference between them. Um, it really puts you in a sweet spot in terms of pricing. So my summary, I'm gonna just summarize it all. Um, by utilizing the latest technology, understanding the needs of the customers, Canto and other manufacturers, obviously, we've been able to create really great sounding powered speakers that the market really likes, they're responding to it. And as the tech in digital signal processing and class D amplification get even better and consumers demand you know, better sounding, uh, more streamlined audio for their dollar, the segment's just going to grow. Um, and I hope my seminars made it a little bit more clear about, um, about why you're seeing more powered speakers. Um, and I'm really excited to, to see the future, um, you know, when more, more manufacturers take that holistic approach of designing a powered speaker, you know, like Tuck, um, you know, where it becomes a bit more common and you get to see more companies doing cool stuff like that. And that's done.
I'm finished with my my summer. Thank you. <laughs> wow, you, oh, that, was, that was great, man. Getting a lot of love over here. Yeah, people are saying Jason, don't let don't let Jason go. <laughs> You're a rock star. I've you been with Canto. I've been with Canto for six years now. So I I started out as a customer service representative. Wow. And moved up to um to product manager. Wow. So I have not been let go. They no. like me here. I'm very happy and fortunate. Bravo, Jason. Awesome presentation, Jason. Yeah, yeah they, man. Well, well, That's well, a great way to, to end our, our presentations, our, our seminars for today. Yeah. Happy so, to cap off day one. Thank you. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for being part of it. Yeah. Mic drops. Yeah. <laughs> These comments. Yeah. Though, the, the mic is dropping. The mic is Don't inflate my ego. I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't worry, guys. We're keeping them around. <laughs> That's sweet. That's good to. That's good. You know to what? Hear. You know we want to hear something. I would like to say that. Uh, oh, actually, do those uh, integrate with your um, your stands? Yeah. Tux? So something that I didn't mention. I don't know if this older design has it. It does. Um, I don't know if that, you can see, but our speakers, all of our current speakers, have a small quarter inch threaded hole in the bottom, uh, so you can connect it to our um, to all of our speaker stands. So. Not just the floor standing stands, but even the desktop stands that we have. They all have a little quarter inch um, hole and screw so you can um, secure it. And it's a really nice uh, tight unit once it's all put together. It's really sweet. Yeah, I think that's a sleeper. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when I when you yeah. guys sent me those and the stands connected to the speaker and it all moves as like one unit, that really like makes you feel good about this setup. It doesn't yeah. feel like, yeah, oh, it's going to get you, knocked over. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you got pets or kids in your house, like uh, having a speaker connected to a speaker stand is um, it's uh, less, less worrisome for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, I, I really like the fact that those speakers have a ton of IO. Like, like even Crazy. people Crazy at the enough. show were like looking at the back of it and they're like, wow, this thing's got a ton I can plug in multiple things at once. You know, you won't have to switch switch anything around. You know, you can do TV, um, TV turntable, some sort of you know, whatever analog or CD player you want to plug into that. It's uh, it's great. I think you guys did yeah. a great job with that. It's got pretty much everything that you should need. There's very few yeah. situations that it can't handle. Like I said, we've kind of made it so that it works with most scenarios it's got all the connectivity you need um it's got really cool features that um you know you can only get those kind of features if you actually are an audio enthusiast if you love audio and you've been doing it for long enough uh and know what customers want so right. um yeah it's a it's a really it's a great it's a great speaker um we were all so so happy when it launched uh it took so long to develop it and took a lot of um a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. If we're, being I, I bet, I bet. Now you said they were um, an all digital system. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So, so, um, so, is, does the analog get changed into digital? Correct. Yeah. It's so you have an analog to digital converter, not the other way around. Correct. Yeah. So if you're huh. using a digital input, if you're using optical or USB, you're getting that full bit stream right into the amp. Wow. If you're using any Perfect. analog, you are getting it switched over. Um, and uh so yeah it's it's a little bit of a different design um vanitu actually has such a good explanation on their website about their their class d amps um i i remember reading about the the um the vanitu one um uh on their website and, and reading about 
um, their their system and not really fully understanding it until we started developing Tuck. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a cool feature. You have pretty much full digital right into the right before the amp. So there's very few places where it can get distorted or pick up interference. So it's a really slick um, slick setup. Uh, and if you are using an analog source like a turntable um, or a um, or a DAC, I think we got uh, the chip in there. I think it's decoding at 2496, so you shouldn't be losing really any quality through the ADC conversion. Oh, it's good to know. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And now you know. I'm glad that yeah. I did the seminar just for you to learn that one. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Not just for me. It's for everybody out there. It's for everyone. Yeah. Cool. Lots of engineering. Not to be rude, stand. but how good are you pre-built pre-amps? Um, they're, I mean, they're not like, uh, you know, if you're spending $200 on a preamp, it's not going to be as good as that. They are sufficient for what they need to be. They have really low, low noise, especially in tuck. We, uh, you know, spend more money on, on tucks preamp than other speakers. So, uh, less noisy at high volumes for that one. So, um, you know, there's obviously, you know, if you're building out a, a separate system, um, you're probably going to be able to, to get a better phono preamp um, than what's in tuck if you're spending a good amount of money. But if you're only spending like 50 bucks on a, you know, a phono preamp, then I'm, I'm pretty sure you're probably going to get a better preamp actually in our product. Wow. Cool. Wow. Uh, oh, what, one thing that somebody asked, I saw way up there was uh, frequency response. Mm-hmm. You, they, they couldn't find that listed anywhere. Do you know off the top of your head or? So Tuck, we it's super weird listing frequency specs for a speaker that has tone control. Um, because you can be like, it's anything you want. So I think officially like that's, Tuck, that's what you should put. Frequency response. You guys are very you like. kind. <laughs> <laughs> um, we put 50, 50 hertz to to, to twenty thousand hertz, so twenty K on our speakers. Um, and we didn't put like a negative or plus DB on there because it is, you can use an equalizer to change it. But if you look at Joe's uh, in-room response, you're you're usually yeah, hitting yeah. about 51, 52 hertz. No, you guys were very, very conservative <laughs> with the bass response because uh, in in my room, I was getting way, uh, way lower than that in, in room. Yeah. You know, so yeah, usable, usable very usable response. Yeah, yeah you're going to hear 40. You're going to hear 40 hertz with with tuck. It oh, might yeah. not be as present as the 60 hertz, but, you know, it's 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 going to be there. You're going to hear it. Very good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Shot. Yo, we good. We are good. We are definitely good. Uh, big shout out to uh, Canto Audio jason and of course we got brett hiding out in the back uh thank you guys so much and for all the attendees we've got a one hour break and i will be back with the uh hi-fi night part of the after party 5 p.m pacific standard time i gotta set up a few things a few more cameras need to be turned on and all that good stuff uh but thank you jason uh for being here yeah we mentioned the giveaway too they do have a giveaway of the the touch oh yeah let make sure me... to make sure to it's on the giveaway page. Boom. I'm so glad you mentioned that because yeah, so, I was aware of it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually have a giveaway. Uh, <laughs> Brett told me, so I'm not making Sick. that up. All right. All right. Yourself, so yeah. Get yourself entered and get yourself a pair of tux. You'll, and you know what you'll I you know what I like about this whole thing? So to plug the Hi-Fi Summit, I like the fact that we're talking about some speakers that are less than a thousand bucks. And a lot of people are interested in it. You know what I mean? If we were to show, a lot of times you kind of feel like, oh, I don't know if I belong here. 
You know what I mean? I don't know if you kind of get that feeling, but Yo, uh, I, I've been yeah, to you, certain you shows you feel like, you know, I'm showing you some awesome speakers that I think a lot of people will like, but mm -hmm. at the same time, they're like, why, why don't I belong here? Um, right. I don't get it, but I think this is the perfect platform for that. And so you can tell from the response here in the yeah. comments, like everybody's about it. So um, I'm happy about that. Yeah. yeah. It's been fun, man. I really Look at that, 549 entries already. We've yeah. always, this is only day one. Get get your entries in there, everyone. Smash that smash that entry button. Smash <laughs> yeah, smash, the, smash that subscribe. I mean that entry button. Click the bell. See you guys yeah. in an hour. Yeah, see you guys in an hour. And uh, again, thank you so much, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really great. I really appreciated it. Awesome, see ya. awesome. We appreciate it too. All right, we'll see you guys soon. Later.